Hi everyone, it is Kendra again. I am here not drinking coffee or wine, um, but my midday drink of choice, uh, strawberry seltzer. So nothing too exciting to share with you on that end. But I'm really happy to be on today because I had a revelation after my first episode that I realized that some people listening actually don't know me personally. (laughs) Um, That's the goal, right? And the people that do know me personally may not know kind of my whole backstory and what got me here today starting this podcast. So I wanted to take this episode to give you a little bit of context, a little bit of background on me and kind of what has brought me to this point at 42 years old, getting a divorce and starting a podcast. So I'll keep it brief um, and very surface level because a lot of the sort of decisions and steps along this 42-year journey are a lot of what I'm going to talk about in future episodes. As you can imagine, when you're going through a divorce, also at the same time there is a pandemic going on and you find yourself with a lot of time on your hands, you have an incredible amount of time to sit and go over sort of every choice and every decision that you've ever made in your entire life, um, which is both good and bad. I have no regrets on anything that's ever happened because it's brought me to this point. So a little bit about me. I grew up in Marshfield, Massachusetts, about a half an hour south of Boston. I've lived here for the better part of my life. Um, I grew up here. I graduated high school 25 years ago this June. I went to Merrimack College where I got my bachelor's degree in sociology and elementary education, and I had every intention of being a teacher for the rest of my life. Um, I ended up being a teacher for about 15 years. I spent half of my career down in Brooklyn, New York. I was a middle school special ed teacher in Bed-Stuy, and I could probably do 47 episodes on all the things I learned when I taught down there, but I will simply kind of wrap it up and say that I I learned more from my kids, my, I used to call them my kids, I will call them my students for purposes in this episode because I also have my own children. My students taught me more than I ever learned in any classroom, from any professor, um, from anyone really. I learned so much from my students about life, about me, about the greater world, everything. They were truly my best teachers. Um, I did experience some really painful and traumatic events during my time there and subsequently decided to go to law school. Um, I studied for my LSATs. I took my LSATs. I got accepted to Suffolk University. And in June of 2008, I believe, um, I moved home back to Marshfield, back to my parents' house. Um, I left my job. I had recently gotten out of a 
nearly five-year-long relationship with someone. So I sort of closed that chapter, moved home, and was starting a new chapter by being a law student. Um, That chapter lasted only a year until I realized I was not, in fact, Elle Woods, excuse me, and I was not meant to be a lawyer. I was meant to be a teacher. And the one um, good thing during that time is that is when I met my husband. Um, Like I said, I moved home the end of June and I met him on July 3rd of that year. So I did not spend a lot of time single by myself. Um, That will come into play (laughs) again in later episodes. But we met then. We were engaged um, the following year when I had started teaching again, and subsequently we got married in July of 2010. In April of 2011, um, I was still teaching, and I gave birth to my daughter, Charlotte, who's now 11. And all of you listening that are parents know that having a child really does change everything and, it, you know, in the best way possible. It also brings up a lot of different emotions specifically for working parents and even more specifically in conversations that I've had with working moms. Um, Up until that point, I was a teacher and I can say with pretty strong confidence that I was a good teacher. I'm proud of the work that I did. I loved my time as an educator, truly. But once I became a parent, I really struggled with feeling inadequate as a mother and at the same time feeling inadequate as a teacher. Um, If I was spending too much time at school, I felt guilty that I wasn't spending enough time with Charlotte. And if I was, you know, leaving the school building promptly at three o'clock and picking her up and going home to spend time with her before it was time for dinner and bath and bed, I felt like a bad teacher. And I know there are a lot of parents, specifically women, that struggle with that. And it's really, really hard to not feel good at anything. Um, And that's really how I felt at the time. It's not something I can say that I was aware of in the moment. But looking back, that's definitely um, a piece to me kind of emotionally and psychologically that I didn't recognize at the time. Again, another episode on that. Um, Fast forward a few years and in April of 2014, I had my second daughter and it was at that time that we made the decision that I would leave teaching and become a full-time stay-at-home mom. And that decision also carried a lot of after effects that I didn't necessarily realize. And kudos to all of the people listening that are full-time stay-at-home parents because it is exhausting and it is so, so hard. And I definitely had this whole grass is greener mentality that life would be so much easier. I would be so much happier if I was a stay-at-home mom and was able to be with my kids all day long. And the reality for me is that 
it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Um, I missed the social interaction of work, kind of that, you know, we didn't have a water cooler in the school, but sort of like that friendly banter and conversation you have when you work in a workplace. I was lucky enough to teach in schools where oftentimes my colleagues became some of my very best friends. And so for me, being a full-time stay-at-home mom was very isolating. I also dealt with major feelings of inadequacy around finances. I had been someone up until that point who was very financially independent. I made as much money as my husband for the most part. And to then be fully reliant on someone financially was very, very difficult for me. It was not something I was used to. It was very uncomfortable. And no matter how much reassurance I would get that it was our money and it was okay and we were both doing what was best for our family, I never actually internalized that and felt that. And again, that's another whole separate conversation that's been sort of, you know, sifted through over the last couple of years. But I tell you that because it was sort of at that time that there started this very clear division of responsibilities with my husband and I at that time. And for the remainder of our relationship, I would say, I was the one in charge of the children. And I was the one in charge of, you know, scheduling all the doctor's appointments and buying all of the clothes and purchasing birthday presents and making sure we always had snacks for lunches and scheduling summer camps and scheduling, um, you know, gymnastics and registering for preschool and registering for kindergarten and anything around the kids became my responsibility. And as I started working again part-time and then evolving into a more full-time position, my income was also responsible for anything to do with the kids. Preschool tuition, summer camp, gymnastics, holidays, vacations, birthdays, clothing, anything and everything that involved the kids was my responsibility. And then my husband was the one who had the nine to five that was responsible for the health insurance, the life insurance, the retirement accounts, the mortgage, um, you know, the car payments, all of that was his responsibility. And, and that was just sort of the way things were for, you know, seven, eight years now. Um, and it worked for us. And, it was very similar along the the caretaking thing. So I was the one who would cook the meals. I was the one who would do the majority of the cleaning. He was the one who would mow the grass and, um, you know, handle little things around the house that had to get fixed. And it was a very clear um, division of responsibilities, which again, worked at the time, but when you then fast forward eight, nine years, however many years it's been, and you then separate, both parties have a whole side of their life 
that they know nothing about. I I feel shame in admitting that I don't understand how 401ks work. I don't understand mortgages and refinancing and all of that. And there's a whole side of this that I've had to learn over the past couple of years. And conversely, he didn't understand how much kids' clothing costs and how much birthday parties cost and how much, you know, haircuts and school pictures and the book fair and all of those little incidentals, how much those cost. And so there's been a lot of education for both of us, but I will talk specifically about me and the things that I've had to learn because of responsibilities I gave up, you know, eight years ago. And so that's a big piece to kind of the backstory of this too, is understanding how that relationship dynamic worked um, and how that impacted me then moving forward into, you know, a separation and divorce. But that's pretty much all of the background and context I feel like is needed. You know, I, I was a stay-at-home mom for about a year and a half and started working part-time with a wine company that I love and am grateful that that job was able to evolve and grow with my kids. So when my kids were young and still home a lot, I could work very part-time and could get out of the house a couple of nights a week to do wine tasting events. I subsequently learned of my passion for wine and have pursued a formal education in that arena. But that position I have has grown with my kids. And so it evolved into more of a full-time position and financially has been able to provide for my kids and I. And up until about a year not even a year, up until about six months ago, that was my sole source of income. And that is something, again, um, we'll get into it deeper in another episode, but finally coming to the decision that our marriage was over, one of the things that is very scary for me and scary, again, I've learned after talking with a lot of women is the financial fear and the worry of not being able to provide the life for your kids that you want. And it can be really scary and something that actually keeps people in marriages, quite frankly, for longer than maybe they should be. Um, It's expensive to (laughs) have two households. It's a lot. So that is sort of the background for me. Again, it's been coming on two years that we have been separated and our divorce will be final in a couple of weeks. And it's just been quite an interesting journey of learning so much about myself and about a lot of the things I just mentioned, the finances, the home maintenance things and relationships and dating and all of that. It's been it's been really interesting. It's the only word I can use to describe it. But that is kind of what brought me here and, you know, starting this whole process. And I think I shared in the last episode 
I really spent a lot of time being very quiet and not talking with people about divorce as a part of my life. And I found that when I did, I was really able to heal and I was really able to form some great friendships and relationships and ultimately really learned so much about myself and these other amazing people that I've connected with. And that is what sparked this idea of the podcast is taking those conversations and taking all of the things that I've learned and reflected on and sharing them with other people in the hopes that it will either make you laugh or teach you something new or, you know, at least kind of give you an insight that maybe you hadn't thought about before. So thank you again for listening. I can't wait to share episode three with you next week. Grateful for you.